Good evening, ladies and gents. It's week 12. It's the Irish NFL show. And unfortunately, Michael is out ill this evening. So it's uh, just Lucky Day, Dusty Bottoms, and Ned Nedlander, otherwise known as the Three Amigos. So you put up with uh, myself, Mark Cockrell, Colin Cronin, who's Colorado bound this week, and Brian O'Leary. Good evening, gents. How are you all doing? very well enjoying the uh thanksgiving festivities and yes as you mentioned mark i am in denver currently i, I can't keep up where Colin is at the best of times i've had a few friends to me saying where is Colin at the moment and i said as far as i'm aware he's either in colorado or he's on, on his en route and uh he's going to the game tomorrow and again he's fortunate enough to have a accreditation if i'm correct in saying that Colin, you will be representing the Irish the show again tomorrow in mile high after being in chicago last weekend yes indeed fortunate to have media accreditation hopefully looking forward to maybe meeting some of the guests we've had on our show in the past benjamin albright troy rank and people like that but uh, kudos to to the broncos and uh, kudos to to my hosts here in denver who've been uh, outstanding in terms of their hospitality now mark do you remember when we were in london and we were, we were in the media area for the Dolphins Jags game, and I happened to get a little bit excited about a particular play by Waddle. And you said to me, Brian, you can't be celebrating in the media, media area. Well, good luck, good luck, good luck with Colin tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that. I mean, he did, he did bring home a nice little bet for you, Brian, so I could understand the celebration yeah. in one respect. But yes, I'm sure, I'm sure Colin will be uh, suitably calm and relaxed. I mean. After all, guys, it's only week 12. It's suitably calm and relaxed already. No teams are on the bye, so we get a full slate. And, of course, we've had Thanksgiving, so we've had our bonus football on Thursday. And look, just like something by Sergio Leone, we definitely had the good, the bad, and, my God, the ugly on Thursday. Look, I'll throw it over to the Michigan – not the Michigan man, the Denver dude you are now. You're the Denver dude, by the way. I'll throw it over to you first to break down just what we saw on Thursday with wins for the Bills. Uh, I nearly said the Cowboys, but they didn't quite the Raiders. And, of course, the Bears just at the yeah, the Bears at the death. It was interesting, I suppose. I, I had seen the, the Bears on the Sunday previous where they had been okay against the Ravens. Admittedly, uh, Lamar Jackson, less Ravens, but they'd been okay. And the, the Thanksgiving game, I don't think, inspired a whole lot of enthusiasm anywhere. I was in Michigan in the lead up to it. I don't think anyone had anything particularly kind to say about the Lions. And uh, I think you saw that. They, I mean, they had the opportunity to win it, but to go from second and seven to second and 12 to second and 22 to third and uh, look, I mean, they're an incredibly ill-disciplined team. You, you'd have to begin to ask questions of the dude because it, it's not just bad play. It's bad decisions. It's ill-discipline. The Bears, obviously, in the lead-up to it, there was all the stories around Nagy, but they escape with a win, so they go to, what, four four and seven on the season? I mean, I would imagine Nagy's job is still hanging by a thread. But for the Lions, what what is your... What's the positive that you can take from it? And I mean, I mean that having talked to people in Michigan all week and, and trying to find it. I don't know. Maybe maybe some of our viewers can comment and say what it is, because certainly there doesn't seem to, to be a whole lot out there other than Penny Sewell, and, and that's about it. 
I've been a bit critical of Campbell throughout the season, and it doesn't surprise me that he's taken over the play call from Anthony Lee, and he doesn't seem to have given it back. Some of the calls at times are a bit strange, and here's what he was calling. And that particular, that last drive kind of summed it up. With an opportunity to finally get over the line and win a game, it just went drastically wrong. That tore down, but I kind of ended up a tour in 29. Like, how can you go from a second and seven or into tour in 29? And for the Bears, like a lot of Bears fans, obviously, you know, I've got quite a few friends who are Bears fans. And I spoke to them on Friday about the game, and they felt for Nagy. Look, I think we all know Nagy inevitably is going to lose his job at the end of the season. They felt that for him to have any chance, or I was supposed to take a little bit of pressure off over the coming weeks, they needed to win that game convincingly. And that wasn't the case. I mean, they, they got over the line more so because they were playing a very inept Lions team. If that was any other team, I felt on the day, um, the Bears wouldn't have won that game. So it certainly wasn't one of the. the I, I'd, I'd say there's only one standout game of the three, Mark. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, Brian. I mean, the Lions, I think, faced the third and 29 and the third and 32 at different points of that game. So they, they were very much in rewind uh, at various times. But when you talk about penalties and you talk about the one good game probably that was on Thanksgiving, the Dallas Cowboys missing their top two wideouts were involved in a bit of a shootout, it's fair to say, with the Las Vegas Raiders. But when they give up over 500 yards on defense as well as over 100 yards on penalties, Cullum, it's, you know, Dak Prescott can do things and he was doing things with a lot of uh, uh, reduced supporting cast. But there was a lot to try and overcome in that game. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I saw a tweet. Somebody said that um, the Raiders will give Amari Cooper a game ball, and uh, I thought that was quite quite telling. Uh, but look, this was the referee show. I mean, what twenty eight penalties? It just seemed to be never ending. And I think we talked about it with um, with Jimmy when he was on our Thanksgiving show about the officiating this season in terms of the taunting, the holding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but we also talked about how the viewing figures keep going up. And this was the case with this game. This was like one of the most watched games on American television since 1990, I believe. Um, it was it, Look, to, in fairness to the two teams, they did what they could. They put on a show. It wasn't their fault. The refs decided to, to take it over. If you're the Raiders, you're delighted. You're you're sitting at, at six and five, despite everything that has gone on this uh, season. And if you're the Cowboys, a season that began so promisingly, um, you know, now following that defeat to surprise defeat to the Broncos has suddenly completely gone off the rails. So they really need to rebound quickly. Obviously, they were they were down a few, but I can't imagine uh, either of the Joneses are too happy at the moment. The NFL is such a quirky sport. I mean, the, the Raiders have lost away to the Giants. They lost the home for an improved Bengals team. They lost against a poor Bears team. And yet they go into Dallas, who are arguably supposed to be one of the hottest teams for the NFC, and for, and pick up a win. That's, when we were discussing this game, and I know we all felt the Cowboys would win, and we picked them. The last little note I said on it was that the Cowboys haven't played really well on Thanksgiving for quite a while. And that's now three years in a row which they've lost on Thanksgiving. So... There's always that added pressure with it being Thanksgiving and the fact that they're kind of always the prime prime time game in the afternoon. And will they get over the line against a Raiders team that will put you know give them an opportunity and their defense is not on on, on their game? Derek Carr will find ways to you know get the ball down the field. And that's what happened. It was it was probably one of the better games we've seen for quite a while. I really enjoyed it. And as a Giants fan, it was nice to see the Cowboys in that way. But yeah, I agree with Colin that like there's so many 
shocking calls. That one and Derek Carr in particular, the uh, rough in the pass, or even Mike Parsons came out the next day going, anybody who knows me knows I'm not a dirty player. I literally bumped off and it was a, you know, an accident and for that to be called. You know, I think he got the first down anyway, but mm-hmm. the fact that it was tagging on another 15 yards and it was ridiculous. And even the one at the end leading up to the field goal, um, that won the game in, in overtime, I felt that was a little bit harsh as well, that passing because he wasn't looking. Probably that's probably what swung it in in the Raiders' favor, the fact that he wasn't looking, but he didn't look like it was a, a pass interference. And then I thought the actual end of the game was quite funny because numerous times they tried to uh they tried to <laughs> get in for the block and they went offside, I think three times in a row, never for giving up a force now. And then Tony Romo said, Oh, this is a strange decision, maybe you should run two more players, you know, to get even closer. But he, uh, the play itself at that stage was closer than an extra point, so Without Tony coming, it was great. Well, well I mean, great little information. Tony was trying to reverse curse them into doing something yeah, really stupid. Sure. I think. I know where I mean, he was going with that. I know what the I, I, I like was. Tony Romo far more than you do, Brian. But I mean, that game was certainly an example of him being even more biased than Phil Sims used to be on Giants. Games, <laughs> to be fair. One, one thing though, and it's a, a second Cowboys loss in a row. But I think one thing that stands out again is just how good Michael Parsons is. He has been brilliant. He has been the real bright spot for, for them. Um, and in fairness to him, I mean, you know, they, they've had to try him uh, essentially at the edge, but he has delivered. He has more tackles for loss than anyone else in the league. He's 11 sacks. He has been fantastic. You would certainly say he has shown up. He has done the, the job asked of him. Um, and I suppose for, for the Cowboys fans, if you're to take something from the last two losses, it's how good Parsons uh, continues to be. Yeah, he, he can he do it all though, can he, Colin, unfortunately. And look, for the neutral, there were so many electric moments. Deshaun Jackson turning on the Jets once again for a long touchdown. Tony Pollard's kickoff return, just when all hope seemed lost for Dallas, bringing it back. And you mentioned about the refs, guys. I mean, it was refs falling over pylons as well as uh, causing bringing attention to themselves. It was um, Hockley Jr., wasn't it, on the call? Um, so maybe there's a little bit like father-like something. He was definitely on one of them. Uh, drawing attention to himself was he in the later game it was definitely can't, un- can't understand why his referee can't keep up with tony pollard come on well it was he kept up he just tripped over a <laughs> ball and so the other one and someone said well why is that there <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. fair question fair question but look um th- thanks again sorry i should have called out the start but thanks as always to our sponsors trust.com and matchbook betting exchange very grateful for their ongoing support and something that the Buffalo Bills were grateful for in closing out their Thanksgiving was to play against the New Orleans Saints. Um, if the early game was the ugly, the middle game was the good. This was just bad by New Orleans, really. They never turned up, never showed up. And the Bills get right back on track and back on top of the AFC East. Yeah, well, look, I mean, for, for the Saints, they... They had Trevor Simeon at, at QB, and I, I had to suffer through two years of him in Denver. He's he's a he's a lovely guy. I'd say it'd be great crack to go for a fight with, but he's not a starting QB in the NFL. It's as simple as that. He's just not at it, and it doesn't matter how good your head coach is, um, you, you won't win if, if Trevor Simeon, he can come in in relief. And even in that game against the Bucks, you know they were worrying signs. He got it. He got it done. He got it over the line. He need a nice head start to do it, but they just looked. They they looked completely inept on offense. You would have to say the other night. Obviously missing a, a significant number of players, but they did look inept at times. Um, and their even their O line, um, which has been so good, 
struggled. So you you would say that yeah, it's it's a concern for for the the Saints. I saw some talk that they might pick up the phone to Philip Rivers. I think they need to do something because they cannot continue uh, with Trevor Simeon. For the Bills, it was a great win. It was a really good performance from them. I thought on both offensively and defensively. But look. Losing Tredavious White is an enormous blow. To lose him, your lockdown corner to an ACL injury, that's definitely going to hurt them um, as we move into the latter part and, and the playoffs. Yeah, I was going to make that point, Con Stormy Thunder there. That, you know, it's the win has come at a loss, you know, because he's such a significant player and that defense that's greatly improved this year in large parts for down to down to, to him in the secondary. They've only given up seven passing touchdowns this year from where they were last year and look we said on the show the other day we felt this was a nice rebound game for the bills having lost in the in the manner in which they did against the, uh, the Colts last week so it, it, went, it went very much as we expected and for the saints yeah and like we again we made that point on on the show and thanksgiving when we were previewing the game that trevor simeon is what we expected of him you know he had that one-off game when he came in against against the books but you know teams have picked up you know this game what he's doing and Saints have the Cowboys next week, and you know, as bad as the Saints have been, they looks like they've got Kamara back for that game. So, without him, I mean, he literally the offense goes through him, and I think can be underestimated as well. The fact that Michael Thomas has gone for the season as the season progressed, it's been clearly having they don't really have any standout wide receivers as well, which has also made it difficult for the offense. But when you lose Kamara, you've no run game, you've no you know, dangerous players down the field, with the exception maybe of, Gall of Callaway, who had it, who was limited in that game. So, it's a nice win, and um, see how the Saints go next week. It's covered. And speaking of the Saints and speaking of putting Thanksgiving in the rear mirror, uh, if anybody hasn't checked out our Thanksgiving special as of yet, you'll find Thomas Morstead, the long-term Saints punter, now Atlanta Falcons punter just this week, uh, as long with Jimmy Trina from Sports Illustrator's column alludes to, and also interviews with the funny, articulated, um, intelligent, knowledgeable, wonderful amazing colleen wolf and also jane slater both of nfl network as well as someone who used to play for the next team we're going to talk about and turning our attention to sunday's games uh rod woodson um who was a fantastic interview one of the best probably we've ever had on the show uh obviously ex dealer ex raven ex 49er briefly and ex um uh, Raven and Raider, sorry, I meant to say. But as I say, he's mostly known for playing for the Steelers and turning our attention now from the past into the future. Steelers are Bengals, guys, kicking off the Sunday afternoon slate. I mean, for all that these teams are messed up, it's still a 5-4-1 team against the 6-4 and four team, two teams winning records. But somehow I think of that great triumph trophy in the great escape when steve mcqueen is trying to escape and he's trying to kick start the motorcycle kick start the motorcycle and just get that engine running again this feels column like two teams who need that kick start they need to re-liven up their campaign and their um their season in some way and this is a big game for both of them yeah i, I mean look the the steelers are relying i suppose on the knowledge know-how and experience of big ben and mike tomlin to, to get them through. Obviously, when Big Ben was out, they managed all of 16 points uh, against the, the Lions in that tie. Uh, and then in their last outing, they scored a whole uh, a whole lot of points against the Chargers, but couldn't get it over the line. They came back into it late on. It looked for a time that the Chargers were going to throw it away, but the, the Chargers got over the line. So 
it, it isn't a, a certainly a vintage Steelers outfit, but it is a Steelers outfit that at times Big Ben can roll back the clock and at times, you know, they can get to the, the opposition QB and they can make plays. This is, I suppose, going up against uh, rivals in the Bengals. I mean, if you look at the the history of this, it's the Steelers. Uh, you know, I think they've won almost twice as many games as the Bengals in terms of the history of this um, meeting. But for me, this the the Bengals have issues. I think in terms of their defense. I think they're a defense that gives up um, big plays. But I think that the, I don't know if the Steelers have enough. I, I think there are issues with their O-line. I think Big Ben isn't what he used to be. I don't know if they'll be able to take advantage of it. And what the Bengals do have now is in Mixon, they have a really good running back. And in Burrow and Chase, they have a combination that can um, you know m- make magic happen. So I, I do think this will be close. I think it'll potentially be closer than the the meeting earlier this year where the, the Bengals put a one by two touchdowns. I don't know if it'll quite be that, but I'm going to go with the, with the Bengals in, in this one to, to move to seven and four. Can Mike Tomlin make magic happen? Of course he can. We know that, but I think the, the Bengals will just about edge it. Yeah. Earlier in the week, I had a fan who's not related to either of these teams say to me, how do big Ben's numbers become uh, how did he finish with so low his numbers on Sunday night football when the game was such high scoring as a t- majority of that was down to the fact that trade touchdowns in which they scored were down to the fact that they were given the ball with very little yards to make up between the, the punt the interception and there was one or two others where it was the punt and it was returned so big Ben didn't have the, the right game see this fans are keep latching on to the fact that he's not throwing interceptions anymore but I mean he, he needs to be doing more and that's where I see it being difficult in this game because if you look at the Bengals offense for the last five games, they put up over 20 points with the exception of that game against the Browns in a few weeks. And if they come out and have a game like that, how do you see the Steelers keeping up with them? all things equal? So I find it very difficult to see that. It's interesting to see that Chase, even though they've been putting up the numbers, Chase's numbers and yards has completely dropped off compared to where he was at the start of the season. The last three games, he hasn't gone for more than 50. So I don't know if it's a case of teams that double cover or contain him, but it'd be interesting to see how he gets on um, this week. But for me, I'm with Colin on this, I think. The Bengals will have more than enough to win this game, especially the fact that they're at home. Joe Mixon's having a really good season, and he's he's on a career path at the moment towards 1,620 yards, and that would put him second time, second in all-time records for running backs in the first guy did it in 1986. So it's, that's showing how far we are in terms of where the last one, they've had a really significant running back of note, and he's really consistent. So for me, he'll have a game the Bengals will win. Uh, Ernest Bayer, if I remember rightly, was the, the Bengals running. Wasn't it him back then, the Bengals? He was, um, Brooks. Anyway. Brooks. What was that? Is, is, I can't recall the first name. The second name was Brooks. Brooks. Ah, okay. Well, yeah. no, not no, Brookside now, Mark. Just Brooks. No, not Brookside. That was different. Phil <laughs> Redman wrote that. That's true. Okay. Well, look, I, no better man than Mike Tomlin to break this down. He's described this as an elimination game. He said every game against an AFC North opponent now for the rest of the season is like an, an elimination game. And you've got to admit his scepticism on this one is particularly warranted. The Bengals have already beaten them once this year by double digits indeed. And so if you're looking at this from a Steelers side, you're potentially going to be swept by the Bengals for the first time in 12 years. And that will create a fair amount of gap between the Bengals and the Steelers with the Ravens flying high as well. 
puts them really in the mix, not anymore for the AFC North, but frankly, frankly fighting and scrapping and clawing for a wild card. If they win this, their hopes of a division title still abound, even obviously after the last two disappointing weeks. The problem for me is the Bengals have been healthy and probably the healthiest of the AFC North teams going forward, whereas the Steelers, especially in the last two weeks, we haven't talked enough about the fact TJ Watt's been injured, Joe Hayden's been injured. Um, they've had injuries all along the defensive line with it as well, um, as well as uh, Tyson Lua, Minka Fitzpatrick's missed some time as well. There's some pretty key fundamental parts of that defense, which in fairness started off the season limiting and shutting down the Bills, uh, playing very tough in different places. The Steelers can win with complementary football, but not if they're missing some of those key factors. So fundamentally, I'm with you guys. It's the Bengals for me to get the motorcycle kick-started, move on to seven and four, and still be hunting down the Ravens like a cat patrolling after a bird ready to strike. So we don't have Michael on, but we do have his pick. So that's three for the Bengals. And Michael's pick, which the boys haven't seen as well, is also the Bengals uh, with a lovely little graphic uh, replacing him instead of Joe Burrow there. So Very it's a full house on the Steelers and the Bengals. The Quick next point, game. Quick point. Well, Sorry. Uh, in, the a in the AFC, we talk so much about the fact that the West is probably the most competitive. But this is the first time since 2014 that all four teams are week 12 of this stage of the season. Have a winning record, you know. So it, won't, it won't, it, Once we all pick the Bengals, it wouldn't surprise me if the Steelers were to win the game. And and they could still, obviously, if the Steelers lose, they're still at five hundred. Of course, they'll be five, five and one. So yeah. all is not lost. Um, I mentioned about a couple of movies early on tonight. There is obviously a contrary point to the Oscars, guys. You've heard, of course, of the Razzies or the Golden Raspberry Awards. The next game, and don't get me wrong, we've got some doozies this week because we've got plenty of games between two teams with losing records. But this week does give us the joy, the pleasure, the sheer delight of the 2-8 and eight New York Jets against the 2-8 and eight Houston Texans. As a man who hasn't hurt, you know, held back his feelings about the Texans this season, Colm, what's your thoughts on this one? Um, well, Mark, you're talking about movies. This reminds me of um, Deepwater Horizon um, because it's an unmitigated disaster, um, which is a, a really disappointing depiction of an unmitigated disaster, which I imagine this game will unfortunately be. I, I mean, I feel sorry, you know, for both sets of fans. I think both franchises have really good fan bases who deserve a lot better than they currently have. The Jets have really disappointed. I expected a lot more in terms of offense. Obviously, Zach Wilson has been out injured, but you bring in Flacco. I, I, I mean, what, what, what is, what, what's to be gained by, by that? And to me, I suppose, you know, we, we're yet to, to see um the the jets there was all the talk they brought in the right coaching staff we were going to to see progress but it hasn't yet happened all the probably their the main talking point has been the fight with rex ryan um and robert sala so i think he would much prefer if the focus was on the field but um for the the, the texans um the there's so much wrong. There's so much wrong. But in fairness, Mark, you did say um, back in our preview show that Trod Taylor 
would be the the right guy and and so it proved last week they you know they they managed to overcome the the titans who seem to make a habit of losing to really terrible teams and i think this i i actually think the texans should be favorites for this i think they should win it because they they have in Taylor, they have a, a guy who is capable of playing in the NFL. We have yet to see Zach Wilson. We know he's full of potential. We know he can uh, make the, the step, but will he? That's what ultimately it comes down to. And for young QBs, it's not just the ability. It's where you find yourself. Do they put the scheme around you? Do they play to your strengths? I don't think the Jets have done that at all with Zach Wilson. Um, and and he has yet to take the step up, and I just think that the Jets are have been so poor, like historically bad on defense, that I think the the Texans might win this one, you know, fourteen seven. Well, uh, you, you you expect them, you, you think they should be favorites, Colin? They are favorites, two and a half point favorites. So in the bet more, that means they got to win by a, tw- a field goal to cover that cover that line. Um, Tyrod Taylor's two and two this season. He's played games, got him. So, um, Mark was kind of, I wouldn't say he was positive on him at the start of the season. Week one, he was just making the point that he's a, he's a good game manager. And I said, I think I followed up by saying he's the kind of guy that will win him four games this season. And they're half, they're halfway there, two wins. Interesting how Wilson gets on. He's coming back to in this game after being out for so long. And there's been the Mike White experience for which lasted a week where he was the next, next coming. And then obviously Joe Flacco was playing last week because the narrative is we can't have White having another good game and making more of a storyline in New York. So the real quarterback for the long term is back. And I'm going to go with the Jets. I have a sneaking feeling that we're going to see something come out of this game where the Jets have a really strong performance in offense, which is probably not you know, expected. Bear in mind they're missing players. Carter's gone for the next month. He's been a really good lively running back for them. But for me, I just have a sneak. For the Jets in this game, I mean, the fact that the line is two and a half points, the bookies don't really know where it's going to go. And uh, it's kind of an easy game. You know, you're going in an away game, crowd won't be too, you know, into it. I'd imagine, like, it's not like you're going into all these different away games where the crowd are going to be on top of you as much as the defence. So it'd be a nice game, and I think the Jets will find a way to win. Yeah, Brian, you say it's an away game. I think for both these teams, maybe being an away game or going to away games at the moment might be a positive because yeah. it will only take about a quarter for the, your home crowd to be on your back and that type of pressure only exacerbating. Look, for me, this is all about a numbers game because it's all about a lottery. And if you're... Okay, so there's a few key numbers that people care about at the moment. Forgive me with the Thanksgiving games. Maybe they've got out of whack a bit, but the Eagles at the moment... Your lucky numbers are eight, eleven, and sixteen, because there were your first three round, uh, first your three first round picks are falling. Giants, as Brian I'm sure knows, is six and seven. That's nice having two in the top ten. The Texans are sitting at four, and the Jets are sitting at two and five at the moment. This game is purely, purely, purely the only interest level for me in relation to this is who's going to mess up their draft position more, frankly. And, you know, for various reasons, we've talked about teams playing hard. We talked about the Texans playing tough at times, lots of consistent veterans at different stages. Um, we've talked about the Jets and the, the ineptitude shown at times, but the Mike White experience being a, an interesting um, journey, to say the least. The Jets actually don't have a bad set of wide receivers, and they've got in Zach Wilson someone that can get them the ball as long as he stops throwing it to the other side. Um, really... 
I don't care that much who <laughs> wins the game, but I just think that the Jets' history is always that somehow, some way, they manage to mess up their draft position and hurt themselves more when they can help themselves. So I've got the Jets winning this game as well, purely out of the they will mess it up worse than the Texans will in the longer run. They will win the battle but lose the war fundamentally. Uh, what I would say on the draft situation, geez, we're getting into draft talk now. It's, it's scary. Like, we're at week 12. But because of the, the, well, they shouldn't need a quarterback next in next draft, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of good quarterbacks coming into this draft, if you're picking in the top 10, you should be getting two really good players. You know, if they if they pick. But, but we've talked, well, we haven't talked a lot about it, but the, the general noise is that this isn't a great quarterback draft. Yeah. And you're well, talking about the Detroit Lions who don't have Jared Goff as a long-term solution, let's be fair about it. And potentially at the moment, the Jets sit in the number two. Well, you know, at what point do you say, maybe we go and we, uh, Josh Rosen, Carl, um, Zach Wilson. I know they won't, but it's good to stir the pot a little bit. All right, that's our picks in for this game. Michael's pick for this game between the Jets and the Texans is the following. Who cares? Well said, but he's gone for the Texans ultimately. Ultimately, Look, let's move to something more positive. Two teams with, um, you know, with winning records. And back in the day, if you ever said the words Tom Brady versus the Indianapolis Colts, you'd be talking Avatar, you'd be talking Avengers Affinity War, Total Box Office, uh, Blockbuster. It's not quite at that level, but this is a pretty interesting game, Bucks versus the Colts. Two teams who obviously still need to win, both with winning records, both looking odds on for the playoffs, um, and intra-division as well. So maybe even a loss doesn't hurt them too much on tiebreakers and the like, but both be looking to win. Colin, stuttering Bucks, surging Colts. How do you see it going? Yeah, I think this has the potential to be a Michael Bay movie. Um, plenty the, uh, the opportunity for it to be very explosive, but could it disappoint potentially that too? I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how the Bucks approach it. Because obviously, look, Jonathan Taylor, I believe, is the front runner for MVP. I think he is the guy in the league this year. And I'm so I'm really intrigued to see what the Bucks will, will do. They're supposed to have Vita Vea back potentially. So will they go all out to kind of stop the, the run? If so, I think that the Colts are actually equipped enough to, to take advantage of that. So, but we know the Bucs can be explosive and we know the options that they have and um, Gronk is back. And I think the way that you get at, at this Colts team is uh, over the middle. So having Gronk back is a huge uh, boost for them. I, I think this is a coin toss. I, I really do. I can I can make arguments for both of these teams. Um, if this is the playoffs, I'd absolutely go with the Bucks, and you know, or if they, if it's, if it's, but I I just think the Colts have to win this game because they are they're in a real kind of do or die situation. I don't think the Bucks are at that point yet because of the division that they're in, because of the Saints losing on Thanksgiving. I'm going to go with, with the Colts. I'm not going to be surprised if the Bucks win, but I'm going to go with the Colts because they have their line back and they have been that they are so strong. Um, when they have their line, it does make you know it much easier for for Taylor to um, th those gaps. So I think this will be an intriguing game. But yeah, I'm go I'm going to go Colts, and they go to what six and five after this. 
I thought there was uh, six and five. No, anyway, we'll we'll check that. I think it'll be yeah. seven and five. I think, yeah, seven, seven and, and five. five. Yeah, it's a fairness. If they come seven and five, where they are, Brandon, when where they start the season, um, it's a great turnaround by the team. And um, I was looking at the stats, and some interesting things stood out from the fact that Bucks haven't given up a touchdown to a running back, nor a hundred yards plus to a running back since week fourteen of last year. For them to go this amount of time and not give up that, you know. That those those numbers are a touchdown is quite significant. The way that defense is, it's really strong. And to be, you'd argue that that's the the main point of the team because Brady came back on Monday night and with the game on Tuesday, Wednesday was discussed more so of the inept of the Giants team rather than what I felt was a you know an average book performance. So they came back off two difficult losses and won the game. And I saw people on Tuesday suggesting Brady was seemed very annoyed at the end and he was a bit dismissive in his interview. And they felt he wanted to put more points on it on the Giants. I think he was more disappointed with the manner of their team. They started a bit in, at times in the game, and, and okay, he got taken out with six minutes ago. I wasn't, I wasn't taken back in any way. But the Bucks still feel that they're not at the, the level they were last year, and they're going up against a Colts team that are re-energized. They're winning games. They're playing for the coach. I agree with Colin. They need this game more than the Bucks. The Bucks have that division now at this stage, but the Bucks focus is obviously trying to get up the ladder in terms of seeding. But for me, the Colts need to win this game, and I don't think it's against the rounds possibility that somehow they could find the Titans back in with a, in a mix of winning that division because we'll come to that other game. The Titans have another difficult game this week. So for me, I'm going with the Colts, and Tom Brady will be left deflated at the end of this game. Yeah, well, um, Tom Brady is uh, lo losing a few pounds one way or the other because he still has had a limited wide receiver core. Antonio Brown won't be back till next week at the earliest. Um, Mike Evans, Chris Goldwyn have been limited all week, although it seems that both are likely to play tomorrow. And obviously, Rob Kronkowski only just came back from injury. Um, he's definitely, I think, I can't remember who it was we were talking to, but it's been noticeable. He's missed Antonio Brown as an outlet, uh, as an option on those short out routes always getting open being free there um to to be um to, to to get the pass and obviously hopefully break something in the open field um Colin, you alluded to it it's strength on strength in one respect the bucks run defense has been stingy as hell and no one seems to trust uh carson wentz to throw the ball consistently down the field um including his head coach so um it is very much for, uh, jonathan taylor against that bucks, bucks run D. And whilst I don't want to dismiss Jonathan Taylor's chances because of what he did to Buffalo last week when we we're talking about him going up against the Serious D, um, I, I like the way in which that plays into the Buccaneers. They've been torn apart in the secondary with injuries and exposed by some good quarterbacks. Carson Wentz, even though he's showing signs of life, even though he did have one amazing escape last week against the Bills that reminded you of his... Uh, breakout season as a rookie where he kind of came out of the defensive line like he was about to be swarmed and somehow escaped and ran for 12 yards. Uh, I don't fancy his chances. And in fact, I, I actually think the team that possibly needs this more in a weird way is the Bucks. They've had such a sporadic few weeks. They'll be reminding themselves, hey, we had this bad patch last season, but then we had to write the ship and drive on. And now they're at a stage where they have to be improving. They have to be driving on. I think Brady and the Bucks have enough. They have too many weapons, uh, and they will manage to contain the uncontainable Jonathan Taylor, who is on to break Ladanian Tomlinson's record. However, I think it is LT's record, isn't it? If he breaks 100 yards and a score, it'll be the ninth game in a row in which he's done it. 
um, which will break an all-time NFL record. So one to watch out for this week. So we've got two on the Colts, one on the Bucks, and Michal has picked the Bucks. So it's even Stevens on that one, boys. Um, moving on, as I say, a couple of games now we might, um, I won't say we'll run through, but they are more disappointing from a neutral fan perspective because, as I say, they're going to feature teams both with losing records and, you know, starting to peter out to their plans for next season. They're going to be looking at the senior bowl with our good friend Jim Nagy. They're going to be looking at the draft. They're going to be looking at how they can take their teams onto the next level. Well, Urban Meyer and the Jags would just like to get to the first level, let alone the next level. But the team that are joining them in that regard, being a very disappointing season yet again, somehow managing to ruin opportunities that great are yet again the Atlanta Falcons. Thomas Morstead, who we talked to last week, guys, obviously has joined them, so raised their special teams unit immediately. But they go to the Jags. How do you see this one breaking down, Colin? And is there any hope in Jacksonville? Um, well, they, they, have, they have the number one overall pick in, in Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, there's hope. And obviously, Travis um, Etienne is to come back next year. So, yeah, there's hope for the future. But it, it has been disappointing overall, certainly, you know, if you're a Jags fan. For the Falcons, they are mostly bad and mostly very bad but occasionally good and if you go back to kind of earlier this year um they took they took a beating off the eagles and they took a real beating off the bucks but then they managed to find a win against um brian's giants and i think this could be something similar here where they've taken kind of an all-merciful beating off of the Cowboys, a really, really bad beat down against the Patriots, but they might be able to, to do enough against the, the Jags. Matt Ryan has been around the, the league a long time. He's a very experienced QB. The, the Jags obviously have Josh Allen, They you know, and he showed, and, and this Jags defense showed what it can do against the Bills a few weeks ago. So they're certainly capable of doing it. But I I think that probably the the Falcons should have enough. I think you might, this might be a game where Kyle Pitts, you know, it's been an up and down rookie campaign that's not unexpected for a rookie tight end in particular. But I think this is a game where maybe they lean into Kyle Pitts and they're able to, to do enough. This, it's another one of those games where certainly would you be massively surprised if the Jags were to win it? No, I don't think it would be a huge upset. But I'm going to go um, with the, the Falcons to win the win this and go to five and six. Matt Ryan's uh, statistics over the past three weeks have actually been the worst since he joined the league um, in 2008. So that's how far he's come off in terms of where he was last month. When he had a really, really good game in New Orleans and then it's the same when he went to Miami. He hasn't he hasn't thrown a touchdown. In fact, the Falcons haven't scored a touchdown in the past two games, Cowboys and Patriots on Thursday Night Football last week. But they're going against the Jags team that haven't, like people were giving the Jags a lot of credit a few weeks ago because they beat the Bills. But the reality is they beat the Bills because their defense plays so strong that they, they haven't, they've only scored 17 points on average in the last three games. And the game prior to that, which was the boy, was the one in London where they only scored 20 points. So it's not like this is like something that's just come out of nowhere. Like consistently all season, the offense has been poor. And um, I'm, I'm with Colin. I think um, you're asking me who I trust 
in this game. I think Matt Ryan will get back. Um, I think the Calvin Ridley loss at wide receiver starting to kind of play into the season. He's such a significant player for them, and the fact that he's not there is kind of a real disappointment. And Pitts really hasn't lived up to the expectation. He will in the long run, but he's in it. He's too inconsistent. And we saw last week with the little players that they had available to them. The Steelers just are not Steelers. Sorry, the Patriots took him out of the game. But I think again in this game, I think he'll find a way to have a decent game. And yeah, Falcons for me as well. James, I mean, uh, Carpets in the last four games has only got 12 receptions for 164 yards. Um, Calvin Ridley has missed his last five games dealing with um, various mental health issues, which he said he needed to take some time away from football to deal with, which, you know, obviously wish him all the best. And obviously that it's important that the team and the NFL gives him that space to deal with what uh, he needs to address. But Corderell Patterson as well has been out with an ankle injury, might play this weekend, but... Um, obviously, his dynamic two-way threat as a running back slash receiver slash general all-purpose offensive weapon um, has been missing from the Falcons' offense. I mean, you're saying you think they'll bounce back. They can't fall much further. The last two games, the Falcons have scored three points total. Like, not even three points in each game. Three points total. They have been inept, to say the least. And whilst it feels bizarre to say it, the Jacksonville Jaguars have started to show some life despite or in spite of their head coach, not because of their head coach, I would say. Um, I also rate the, the, the Jags defense as capable. It's probably damning them with faint praise, I know, but they are at least able to contain players and uh, run an adequate defense. And frankly, Matt Ryan is an amazing quarterback who's had a fantastic career, but would you rather him or would you rather Trevor Lawrence? And I know who I'd pick every day of the week. The last time Carl Pitts was in uh, Jacksonville, he actually suffered a concussion and uh, broke some bones and generally was knocked out in a Florida-Georgia game. I don't think he'll suffer a concussion, but I reckon he's going to get a steady dose of double teams. He's going to be beat, bruised and battered and beaten up and kept out of the game and being the game changer he can be. And... As they're two and eight, it seems weird to say it, but I picked the Lions on Thursday, so you know who knows. I'm picking the Jags to squeak out a close one. So Michael is probably gonna—he was gonna be really surprised and go for the Jags, I'm sure, but nah, he's going for the Falcons. So I'm the lone wolf on this one, and I could be laughed at on Monday. Colin, or Michael Gaps have a nice tattoo, and looks in that photograph. Oh yeah, it's a really good one. I like I like it on the inside. Yeah, yeah. It's looking well. It's looking well. Well, gents, um, I said there's a few games between teams with losing records. The next one doesn't get a ton better, although certainly more intriguing teams, both for the future and even in present and what they've been doing. Um Panthers obviously um they still have hope. Uh they um they yeah, they're sorry, they're five and six. But they are playing the Miami Dolphins, who, you know, started to lose hope. Then we're still looking at their schedule and how easy it is. And it's just this constant, if only, if only. Again, I'm kind of getting back to the motorbike and maybe starting the engine or a, a, a thriller movie where the motorboat just won't start when they're trying to escape the bad guy or something, Colin. You know, I don't know if Brian Flores is going to escape. I don't know if Tua is going to escape long term. But the Panthers at the Dolphins certainly throws up a lot more intriguing scenarios and situations. And that's before we talk about Cam and CMC and all the other stuff 
on the Panthers side. Yeah, I, I, this feels a little bit like the, the Blair Witch Project, to be honest, because we expected um, both of these defences to be scary, but um, it has proven not to be the case at many occasions. But, and, you know, we saw the, the Dolphins and their game plan for Lamar Jackson, and, they what you know, that was fantastic. I, I'm interested to see what they'll do with Cam. Look, I think, you know, we know, we know what Cam was capable of we know at times he can roll the, the clock back but he's not the cam of old and i think with his i'm back comments you you know we heard the washington players walking off last week high-fiving each other saying i thought he said he was back i think that was telling right because you you, you make statements you make public statements in this league you put a target on your back and you better be able to to back it up so um, I, I am interested to see what kind of game plan Brian Flores develops for for Cam. A lot will come down to Christian McCaffrey, how how fit he is, and he is the the X factor for the Panthers. When Christian McCaffrey is fit and he's able to play at full pelt, he's fantastic. He he's capable of, of brilliance. But can is, is he? Is he now ever capable of being 100% fit? Will he be able to play every snap, every down? And I think that's what they really need him to, to be because um, they, they, they're so, you know, they have others, they have Robbie Anderson, but so much goes through McCaffrey. I, I can make, again, this is another game where I say I can absolutely see the, the Panthers winning this, but, um, I feel that the, the Dolphins have a little bit of momentum. I had favoured the Dolphins prior to this season ever kind of getting up and running. I'm going to lean into to Flores, that Flores has got them to a point where they are scheming for uh, opposing QBs, and I'm going to go um, with the Dolphins. That's not said with a whole lot of confidence, though. When we were previewing the game last week and we were talking about the fact that Cam has re-energized his Panthers team and you, you could see all the players were buying into it in 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 Arizona the, the week pre, uh, previously, I didn't buy into it. I said, it's all about the Cam, it's the Cam show. And even last week when he scored a touchdown um, against Washington football, he ran to the halfway line and started doing the Superman gag again. Um, I mean, just get off the field and celebrate touchdown with your, with your team instead of going to the halfway line. And after in the end, he lost the game. So, um, their offense, 200 yards. They haven't done over 200 yards in seven games. So Cam, Cam, PJ Walker, Sam Darnold. The offense hasn't worked probably since week three when they went into the Texans. And for me, the Dolphins team are on a bit of a good run. You look at the, what they've got coming up in schedule-wise, you know, there's certainly more winnable games there for them. And they could put themselves in, in with a, a punter's chance. I think it's probably a bit late in the day now, but certainly enough for Flores to keep his job next year. He's won 15 games throughout November, December in this time. First year he started off poor, he got it together, and last year obviously he went in 10-6. So for me, I'm siding with the Dolphins here, and I'm actually a lot more confident than Colum seems to be on this game. I think they'll win and make it four games in a row. Yeah, we always we always run that risk, don't we, of a degree of recency bias, but momentum is something you can't be uh, ignored. Um, you know, if the Panthers lose, they go to five and seven, and there's nothing pretty about five and seven record. Unless you started one and seven and suddenly have got up to five and seven, which is exactly the journey the Dolphins potentially are on. Interestingly, it's the exact journey the 2020 New York Giants did as well, Brian, last year, one and seven, 
then rolled off four wins in a row and started to give hope and started to build up uh, a possibility. These are two good teams, sorry, good teams trapped in a bad team spirit, bad juju, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I like the Blair Witch Project because it feels like there's a degree of cursing over both of them. Um, talked about the refs at the start of the show. The refs could have fun in this game. Carolina are the most penalized team in the NFL with 81 accepted penalties, and Miami are right behind them with 76. Um, and both coaching staff say, oh, we've got to improve that. We've got to improve that. Like, after 11 weeks to the NFL season, you know what you are. And unfortunately, it seems like these teams will continue to coach. Uh, well, sorry, they'll continue to be coached, but they'll continue to give up penalties in bad situations. You know, I can't help it. I'm with you guys. Mike Kosicki, the world's biggest man with the greatest hands, who's my new man crush for 2021. Um, he's playing very well for the Dolphins. It's a great complimentary piece to the great talents they've got and wide receiver there. And I feel that their Flores and the whole team is starting to click and gel and figure out what they want to do. Ever since that surprise win against the Ravens, the belief seems to have returned. And okay, let's not get carried away. The other two wins were against the Jets and the Texans. Uh, we're not talking about the Bronx Bombers of the 1933. It's not murderers row they're beating here, especially the Texans game, which I think was only 17-9. But it certainly gives you hope. Their defense has been trying harder uh, and uh, is still prone to a breakdown or two. But like you guys, I can't believe in Cam. It is all about Cam. The one X factor that could go against the Dolphins, of course, is the wondrous nature that is Christian McCaffrey, who can do a Jonathan Taylor-like performance and break a game all on his own. But for me, the balance goes with the Dolphins to move to five and seven. At the moment, the, the, the Panthers actually at five and six are in ninth place. Um, so not miles away from the wildcard slots, but I, I feel like the momentum is with the Dolphins. So like you guys, I'm going with them today. And will Michael make it a full house as well? He is not going to make it a full house. He's going with uh, Cam and he will be back, we hope, in good health, obviously, on our Monday night show as well. Brian, you're going to Yeah, I was just going to say about Flores because we were in, obviously, we were in London and we were fortunate to go to the media room. You know, we, we swapped them out. Me and you went into that one. And he looked like a coach after that game that looked like it felt like. The inevitability was he was not going to be there for much longer. We kind of even discussed on the show whether he would be the first head coach to go since Gruden. And then the week, the following week, they lost to a late field goal, similar scenario to the Falcons. So whilst I know they've beaten average teams or poor teams, the fact that they've kind of rallied around him as a team shows that maybe he hasn't lost address in him. And, you know, if they're yeah. to win this game, as you say, four games in a row. And the Ravens game stands out because we didn't, we didn't get to make a cat hell's chance in that game. And, and rallied around tour as well, given the maelstrom of rumours about Deshaun Watson, about the criticism of his performance at times. And we've seen the good and the bad as well. Tua can deliver things to you and sometimes you can just heave something up in double coverage. Um, I feel like I should share with you gents as well and all our viewers, Michael does, doesn't just believe the Panthers are going to win. Like he's got them down for winning 34-10 in a kind of a walkover game. So... Uh, you know, just, just to share openly and on the record with uh, everybody watching, and we'll see how that pans out come Monday morning. But look, let's go from the dregs of society to the elite of society. Um, That's the problem when you let him win the show, Colin, see? 
<laughs> well, I, what I, was, I wasn't talking about the Patriots. I was talking about the Tennessee Titans who are leading yeah. the way and the first seed in the AFC at the moment. So the Tennessee Titans led by Mike Rabel, an ex-Patriot, obviously going back to haunt potentially his former coach again. So far, Rabel has not lost to the Patriots. He's 2-0 against Belichick, including one in the playoffs. And they go to the Patriots, who at home only, you know, haven't actually been performing that well this season until recent times, who themselves are on a nice little winning streak. Um, but the Titans, with the loss of Derek Henry, with the loss this week as well of AJ Brown, who's just gone on to injured reserve, are still leading the way, still keeping their noses, not only in front of Indianapolis, but all of the AFC. Um, but Colin, again, we're talking box office. These are potentially two teams who have aspirations into January. The Titans certainly do, and they certainly broke the bank during the offseason to get there. How do you think this is going to play out, and is it all going to be in tears in Foxborough? Um, the Patriots are a bit like the Police Academy movie series um, because they, it just goes on and on. It never seems to end. You're forced to endure it. It's occasionally humorous, frequently annoying for viewers, um, but yet um, people tune in. It's like having a sore tooth. You can't stop touching it. And um, I, you have to give kudos to Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels for what they've done with Mac Jones. They've put a plan in place and they have played to Mac Jones' strength. It's exactly what you should do with a young QB. You bring him in. You don't expect him to do too much. You don't put the entire game on his shoulders. You build around him. Um, and, and the Patriots have done that. Um, Matt Judon has been exceptional. He has been a game wrecker and he he has been a really, really important part. And I think I expect him to have a, a big game against this Titans team where um, we have seen Ryan Tannehill. You can get to Ryan Tannehill. You can get, you know, get in his head at times. I really think that the Derrick Henry loss has impacted this Titans team, but it kind of got glossed over because of a couple of things. The Carson Wentz had a meltdown. Um, Matthew Stafford had a meltdown. I mean, the four, 14 of their points like came in one minute against the, the Rams. And the Saints had Trevor Simeon at QB. So, um, and, and it's not to say that the Titans aren't a good team and that Vrabel isn't a good coach. They are. But let's remember that Derrick Henry, like it wasn't until I think last week where Jonathan Taylor equaled or surpassed Derrick Henry. That's how good Derrick Henry was. And it's understandable that losing him would be, you know, be seismic. But I think for a couple of weeks, they were almost able to get by and it, it kind of flew under the radar just how important Henry is. This will be a battle, undoubtedly, between Vrabel and Belichick. And we saw, um, you know, Vrabel um, pulling out some of Bill, uh, Bill's tricks against him, delay of game and uh, the smile on his face and Bill not being too pleased about that. Uh, even though he himself has done it uh, against the Jets numerous times and enjoyed it thoroughly, um, that belly laugh that we very occasionally see from Bill Belichick. I'm going to go with the Patriots in this one because I think that they have, um, I think that it was since the, the loss against the Cowboys, they've won every game since then. Um, and they've won in a variety of different ways. Um, sometimes they've squeaked over the line. Sometimes they've put a beat down. I think Belichick has found um, 
uh, a system that really works for him. Um, now, that is also dependent on Judon staying healthy, Mac Jones staying healthy. I think this will be a great game. I really think this will be exactly what we expect with like um, Destruction Derby meets Chess. Um, but I'm going to go with the uh, with the Patriots winning. There's two games that stand out in my mind for the Patriots this year as uh, significant games, and they're both defeats, in fact, um, for various reasons. So the, the Bucks game in particular, because the defence that night held a, a very explosive offense, with Gronk being the only one that was absent that night, Brown played and um, Evans played. The defence stood up and held that Bucks team, and they should have won that game in the field goal. And then the game against the Cowboys, which they lost, whilst they lost the game, they put up huge numbers, and Mac Jones kind of had a breakout game to a certain extent. So the confidence has been building since then. I think they're getting the Titans at the right time. The fact that, as, as Marcus uh, called out and alluded to, the fact that they're missing so many players now, it's not just about Derrick Henry. You know, Brown is gone. Jones really hasn't contributed much this season because of injuries. And it's hard to see, bearing in mind how much they struggle. Like Adrian Peterson has already been released since, so he hasn't been the answer. And the guys that have stepped in have done average at best, and they got the Saints at the right time. So last week was a shocker, and I suppose you will get a reaction now out of the Titans, but the Pats are rolling and with the run offense that they have in terms of the, the, the running game, I'd expect that to, to lean on that again. And then that allows options for Mac Jones. And Hunter Henry just seems to be becoming one of his prime targets. Of the 14 touchdowns, he's thrown seven of them have gone to Hunter Henry. He had a quiet game last week in Atlanta. He didn't have to do much. So I think we'll see a big game from Hunter Henry, the Patriots to win. And I think this will be actually a comfortable win because the Titans for me are missing too many players. Defense will keep them around. But the fact there's so many players missing on offense, I think ultimately, We'll cast them and the Patriots will win this game comfortably. Uh, if the Patriots offensive line can keep the pressure from the front four of the Titans and uh, Mr. Landry in particular off, uh, I think the Titans defense isn't anything spectacular in the back end, to be very frank. And I think they've been exposed on multiple occasions. But the front is impressive and is something to worry about. When I look at the injuries that the Titans have, when you think you're missing, um, you know, obviously a player as great as Derek Henry, but someone like AJ Brown as well in a passing game that looked dysfunctional against the Texans last week, you know, um, Mr. Tannehill throwing for four interceptions. He's not going to get much change against the secondary that really is playing very, very well and locking down receivers better than people would have expected, especially a depleted receiving core. And that comes down to a combination, not just to JC Jackson, who's stepped in the CB1, but Devin McCourty, supplemented by Adrian Phillips and Carl Duggar, who's really having a breakout season this week. Uh, sorry, this week, this year. Everybody wanted to give out about Belichick's free agency splurge. But as you guys have alluded to, some of them have absolutely hit. Matt Judon has been worth every penny. Hunter Henry has performed exactly like expected. Kendrick Byrne as well has been an underrated part of it. And Nelson Aguilar keeps taking the top off defenses to free up the underneath. He doesn't get many targets. He doesn't get many receptions, but he's actually keeps bringing up the field because people fear his speed. And one that's maybe underperformed a bit is going back for a, a reunion. Johnny Smith, obviously, going back to visit the Titans. So he will be motivated to perform. But so far, it's been a lot about the defense has been underrated. Christian Barmore, the, uh, the uh, rookie second rounder of Alabama, has been putting pressure on consistently. And, of course, uh, Dante Hightower is always there. But Jawan Bentley is a name to watch out for as well, a linebacker who has grown this season 
Um, he's benefited more than anything from the COVID restrictions last year because he got more playing time and is definitely showing it. All of this and all of this rundown is just to explain to you why I feel passionately that the Patriots are going to win this game and they are going to still be serious contenders putting pressure on the Bills. But they do have the Bills by the Colts, by the Bills for the next three games, uh, separated by a bye. So it's definitely the harder part of their season coming up. And I've managed to explain the Patriots going to win without once mentioning Matt Jones. That's pretty good, I think. Anyway, that actually makes three of us on the Patriots. Michael, I'm sure, won't let us down. This has to be a clean sweep, surely, Michael. Yeah, well, just like I expected. He's gone for the Titans. No shocker in that. I can't wait till we get to another game in about two games' time. However, before we get to that, um, you know, legend had it that this used to be a big game. This used to be one of the, you know, key games of the NFL season. Two massive TV markets, two NFC East divisional rivals. Um, you know, we can think of the Miracle in the Meadowlands 1 and 2. There's multiple games that live long in the memories for good reasons and bad reasons, Brian. But somehow, someway, it feels like we're going into this week with the Eagles at the Giants, and it just feels a little bit like a damp squib. Uh, or at least it would do, but one of the teams has serious layoff potential, at least. Colin, who do you think's got playoff potential and who's going to win this weekend? Um, do you remember in LA Confidential, um, Russell Crowe's character and Guy Pierce's characters hated each other? This, this is this is the Giants and the Eagles. They hate one another. This is Manchester United versus Leeds. Um, the, the, you know, this is England Germany. Take your pick in terms of what this is. These are two teams who hate one another, and I, I know Brian won't like it, but. Philadelphia have done a better job of looking at their roster and seeing what their strengths are and playing to it. Now, the Giants getting rid of Jason Garrett, maybe that'll help. Maybe Freddie Kitchens can shake things up. But offensively, the Giants have been incredibly disappointing. And Mark, in terms of if the Patriots are you know, spending in, in free agency worked, the Giants didn't thus far. And, and it has to be you know, disappointing. But we can, we see any given Sunday, the Giants have at times surprise teams um, and good teams, and, and the Giants have put it up to them. But certainly in the last game against the Bucs, it, it was a, a disappointing performance. I Look, I said at the very beginning, I thought the Eagles would be wonderfully entertaining this season. So they approved. I didn't think they were going to be going to the playoffs, and I still don't. Realistically, I don't, I don't think that they, they will, um, because I think they are up and down. Um, but I, I do think they have put a good plan in place around a young quarterback and they, from a, a situation against the Cowboys where they ran it five times, they suddenly realized we're much better off running this football. And um, I think you will see plenty of big hits in this game. I think you will see plenty of passion. Um, I don't know if you'll see a huge number of points I go on the Eagles to, to edge it. But again, with Freddie Kitchens in for the Giants, could they, could they, are they capable of winning this game? Absolutely. But on a kind of a basis of probabilities, I'm going to go with the Eagles. But Brian, just before you cut in there, I mean, then Colin Blue's today, they confidential. I think this bit like Clash of the Titans, 
is what it used to be, you know, this great epic, and now it's more like War of the Buttons. But there's also a great indie film. There's a brilliant indie film you may have never seen called Test. Worth looking up. It's a very simple premise. Eight people go in for a job interview, and they're asked one question. And whether they get the job depends on whether they get the question right and various things unfold. But there's, this is simple. There's only one question that's relevant here. Is Daniel Jones the answer? I'm still not sure, Mark. Um, and it's not a valid reason as to why, because the offensive line has been sporadic for two years. There's been too many injuries there. Um, then you get into the play call in this season, which has been abysmal by an offensive coordinator that was supposed to leave at the end of last season. Um, Father Ted, do you remember an episode where uh, Father Stone came to visit? And he, he had the uh, the incident on the uh, the golf course, or the uh, mini golf, whatever you want to call it. And he's in the hospital, and he had the, the club in his hand, and I think his, his mother came to the hospital, and she goes, oh, sure, look, here's his calendar. He's been counting down the days so when he visited you and made, made Ted feel worse. Well, that's what Joe Judge has been experiencing for the last seven months, since week 17 last year. Because this game, for him, this game is everything for him, because he's now in a situation after... Getting rid of Mark Colombo last year, who caused a lot of damage to the offensive line and simply caused a lot of disturbance in house. He's now got rid of Jason Garrett. Um, he's kind of running out of excuses now at this stage as to why, who, who are the problems and who are creating the problems. You know, he should have really stepped in a long time ago and resolved this offensive line situation and resolved the offense, which has been quite poor. And anybody who watched the game Monday saw that there was players out there that could make plays, but just weren't getting the ball. I mean, Galladay got targeted twice in the game. So, Let's see what comes of it. I don't think Freddie Kitchens will do a good enough job in this game um, in terms of making an, an, an explosive offensive performance because I don't think he's had enough time. Because bear in mind, they played on Monday, and when you're playing on Monday, your whole week is kind of changed around. So how much time has he had to flex in a new offensive scheme? I think we'll run with what, what they've had, and they'll throw in a couple of wrinkles. And you touch on the Eagles' rushing game. Yeah, I mean, the last – you, you touched on the fact that it wasn't working earlier in the season and they revert to a, a strong running game. In the last five games, they've rushed for more yards than five teams have run for in the entirety of their seasons. So this shows how significant they are. The Giants are quite good against the run, and I'm expecting them to be able to do enough job. I'm going to pick the Giants. Um, I'm actually not concerned with this game. I'm very confident the Giants will come back. We've had a few games this season. We may not have won them where Joe Judge has been under serious pressure, and he's rebounded and got a performance out of the team. I think they'll do enough to win this game because it means quite a lot to him and the team and the fans. Yeah, and uh, Howard is out for the Eagles That's this weekend correct. as well, which yeah. puts a little bit of a dent in that rushing attack. But, you know, I, I started off this season, I think, in week one and two, saying, hey, are they trying to be Baltimore North? Are they going to lean in into this and really use, you know, options, you know, leverage the multitude of runners that they have? And it seemed to me the way for success for them. Moved away from a few to come back stronger and, you know, they're getting the results. And like I say, they, you know, I'm not being mean to the Giants, but they don't have a threatening run in the rest of the way necessarily. They will think, um, and Philly fans will think, every game they've got for the rest of the season, they can win. Um, there are opportunities. They've got the Cowboys in the very last week of the season. And obviously, if they've locked up the division, that could be against backups and scrubs. Um, I tease you a bit with the Daniel Jones question, of course. Obviously, it's been a tumultuous week in New, uh, New York there with Jason Garrett. Fair, fair question, Mark, though. It's a very fair question. We're all asking yeah. the same question. But, but I mean, I could equally ask the same question about Jalen Hurts and the, the Philadelphia situation because, as I've commented on many times, 
he doesn't seem to be able to put the ball consistently and accurately down the field. And therefore, he has a question. Colin's giving me the eyes, but let's start. No, Colin's made the Colin was right when he's saying it. They probably rec they've recognized to a certain extent, sorry, Colin, that that's not his skill set. So what they do, they built an offense around him, run down, yeah. run down it, allow him to get on the perimeter. You know he can he can rush. You know, it's where I, I said on Monday, where they get into a situation where they're down by score 10 points. I don't see him in a position to take teams back. Sorry, I, take the Eagles back. No, I get you, I get you, and, and that's why he's still a bit Lamar Jackson light, uh, and why it's a version of what Baltimore are running rather than the real thing and the real deal. The problem is, other than you've had a couple of great offensive performances, look like Daniel Jones's best performances of his career back to back, and the offense has taken you know, a jump off a cliff the last couple of games. And obviously Garrett's paid for that with his job. Freddie Kitchens, I agree, don't won't make enough of a difference in such a short period of time. And I think Joe Judge may pay for this with his job, obviously, if things don't improve yeah. at the end of the, the season. You get you allude to the fact of Daniel Jones, or oh, we don't know yet because of various circumstances. Judge gave this press conference during the week where he said, oh, you know, the people in New York deserve better and we're working really hard and we're going to get there and I'm going to give them a team to be proud of. And the question was like, yeah, well, when, Joe? It's yeah. been a, it's been long enough. It, it's you know, it should be coming. I, I think I that was even in the group in which I sent Mark. I sent the that was exactly the one you sent. That's why I watched it and laughed about <laughs> it. <laughs> but, yeah. but the the reality is, um, you know, time will run out, and unfortunately, I can't see it happening for them this weekend. I think Philly and the run game will dominate the clock. Will dominate that side of the ball. And the Giants are in flux, unfortunately, again. So I've got the Eagles uh, winning this game. So, Colm, you were Eagles as well? Can, yeah. Can I just I, – look, I understand. There are questions around Jalen Hurts. But this was the second-round QB the project. And in terms of where the project is right now – and they were, you know, this isn't a this isn't a first round pick. This is a guy that they were, were taking a punt on. You'd have to say, you'd have to be relatively pleased by the way it's turned out right now. Absolutely, there are things he has to work on. But we've seen the leaps Lamar Jackson has taken. Is Hearts capable of taking the same leaps? I don't know. We we have to see. But the Eagles have certainly put the right plan in place. And given the QB class that's in place this year. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Jalen Hurts is the starting QB um, in Philadelphia next year. But look, he's got the second half of the season to really um, show what he's capable of. And, you know, a divisional game against hated rivals, that's, you know, the atmosphere we'll really see uh, tomorrow, you know, he'll, he'll, be, uh, he'll be up against it. So it's going to be a, an intriguing matchup. Uh, Mark, sorry, one more point. Um, so actually, on Freddie Kitchens, but I'll give you two points. Freddie Kitchens, when uh, he came in as the offensive coordinator in Cleveland that year, that was a, that was actually Baker Mayfield's best series of games in those eight games when he was coordinator. He obviously, didn't let him get the job. He wasn't good enough for head coach. And last year, when Jason Garrett was out with COVID, Kitchens stepped in and called the plays, and that was probably hardly one of the most kind of was explosive, but a little bit more expansive than what we've been used to seeing. So, you know, if it's, if that's anything to go, boy. Maybe we'll see a little bit more dynamic offense being called tomorrow. And then uh, Michael Strahan's jersey has been retired at halftime tomorrow. In the last two times we've done that, he seems to have got beaten. So um, the older fans will. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. 
I'm, I'm trying to remember. Um, well, obviously, we had the debacle with Sean Taylor's jersey in Washington, but Drew Brees was being honoured, I think, on Thursday at halftime in the Bills of the Saints, and someone else was having a jersey retirement. Was it the Broncos column? And they in the middle of a loss or something as well. So maybe jersey retirements are not the way to go this season. Yeah. It doesn't seem to have a good run. Um, my last comment is just, yes, Colm, Jalen Hurts is a project, but Dr. Frankenstein had one of those projects as well, and it didn't really turn out too well. The well, I'd, li I'd like to see any defense go up against uh, Frankenstein. That'd be fun. <laughs> uh, defense go up against the monster. The monster was not called Frankenstein. Yeah. That was the doctor, just to be... Well, we I, I want to see Matt Judon take... Or Aaron Donald versus the monster. Michael's taking the Giants in this one. Just text me. I was going to say, we haven't seen Michael's. No, I didn't think he would be. He's got the Eagles. He doesn't believe in Daniel Jones. So it's three against one, Brian. But you lone wolf it away, brother. Look, the next game, we're going to have someone on site kind of watching. And Column, you know, charges at the Broncos. I have to ask you, you know, you've gone all the way over to the US. You're going to be up there in media watching the game. Just how excited are you to be able to watch Justin Herbert in person? <laughs> um, yeah, look, this is um, the I, I am because I, I think Harvard is an absolutely fantastic QB, but I think that when I think of this game, Mark, and I mean, in terms of um, both of these teams in recent years, it is probably a little bit like the Star Wars prequels, they've both been hyped up, um, but either the QB for the Broncos has been Jar Jar Binks or for the Chargers, various aspects of their team have been Jar Jar Binks. And, um, you know, that is not the case, obviously, with Herbert, but is the supporting cast up to it? Can they stop the Broncos' run game? I think that will be um, the, the key for them, you know, because the, the Broncos have a one-two punch in Gordon and Javante Williams, who finally they figured out you know how to to utilize the the two um in terms of herbert kareem jackson is um a concern shelby harris is a concern if the broncos are without both of those that would um be enormous loss and it would um you know open up i suppose opportunities for herbert to look into the secondary the Broncos have at times looked fantastic, at other times they have been um, disappointing. You'd say kind of one of the bright, the, the brightest spots has probably been Justin Simmons and Patrick Sertain. But outside of those, everyone else in the secondary has certainly um, been been disappointing. I I I think it's it's now or never for for the Broncos and Vic Fangio. I think if if they were to lose this game. You know the the rest of this. You're really kind of done at that point, given um, that the the Chargers um, would uh, move to seven and four, um, and the the Chiefs are currently on a similar record. The the Raiders won yesterday. I think it would essentially be the the death nail for the Vic Fangio era in in Denver. Um, for that reason, um, I'm going to go with the, the Broncos, probably um, maybe with less confidence than I even have in the, the Dolphins. But I think being at home and I think the fact that they've had the opportunity to have the bye to get maybe things figured out. Bradley Chubb could potentially be back. Um, as I said here, I, I still don't think there's a, a full decision on that. 
So I, I think that this is a Chargers team that has a fantastic QB in Austin Eckler, has an outstanding running back, but has issues in terms of their wide receiving core and in terms of teams being able to run on them. I think the Broncos will be able to exploit that and just about do enough to win. It's funny, both games were alongside each other, the Giants and this game. Colin's picking the Broncos, I'm picking the Giants. I'm extremely confident in the Giants. Uh, Colin seems a little bit pessimistic with his pick, but he thinks they got it over the line. Um, yeah, you touched on the two running backs, like 500 plus yards for both, both running backs this season. They've leaned on him, it's worked. And you're going up against the worst run defense in the league, 145 yards on average per game. It's it's bad if the Broncos can keep, you know, I wouldn't say conservative offense, but use their role and exploit them that way. And then obviously, make, hopefully, Teddy can open the behold open up for him. But the Chargers had a big win last week. I know, like it was, they came, like it looked like it was a game that was comfortable. Then the Chargers started doing Chargers things, let teams back in, and years gone past, they would have thrown that game away. Mike Williams came back and had a big touchdown. So hopefully he might have another game tomorrow as well. So I'm torn, to be honest. I'm torn. I looked at the line, two and a half points. I didn't think it was a surprise because both games last year were, were decided by three points. So and these games have obviously been reasonably close, but I'm going to side with the Chargers. Um, I think they need it more. And obviously, you know, in terms of Herbert and keep up with the division and the fact that the Raiders won towards the Chargers away, but I think it'd be close enough. Uh, look, I mean, Brandon Staley is going back to against, go up against his old mentor. Um, you know, uh, Vic Fangio gave him his first shot as an outside linebackers coach back in the Bears. And Staley's kind of alluded to that, alluded actually to his brief time with Bradley Chubb during the week as well, where he regards him as uh, a star pupil in one respect, but regrets he only got to spend a few games with him more than anything. But um, it's not quite Return of the King. Have a Lord of the Rings reference we'll throw in there necessarily, but it is returned to the site of an accident last year, and that accident was that the Chargers were up 21 points against Denver, and Drew Locke, in about the only quarter of decent football he's ever played in the NFL, managed to recover uh, the Denver Broncos to a victory in the last throws. Okay, maybe he's played more than one quarter. He, he did because his opening quarter uh, on his debut, which is against the Chargers as well, he was outstanding. He uh, had, had an amazing opening quarter. So he um, definitely has been able to take advantage of the Chargers. But yes, um, big disappointment outside of that. Yeah, it's just it's just the 124 other quarters in between. I, I, I get it, I get it. But look, um, the Chargers will come back willing and um, wishing to avenge that. Austin Eckler obviously is on cloud nine after his four touchdowns last week. And yes, the Chargers run defense, I think, is going to be a threat and a worry in every single game we talk about for the rest of the season. Um, but I can't see the threat from the Broncos. I mean, yes, they've got two half-decent running backs, but I don't trust, frankly, Teddy Bridgewater is inaccurate. He's the Tyrod Taylor. He's consistent. He's accurate. But the Broncos have just given a ton of money to Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. 60 million extension, a 30 million extension. It's like, we believe these are the wide receivers of the future. We believe these guys are amazing. We believe we can build a team around them. Well, their production hasn't shown that this season. So then that's clearly on the quarterback. That's an indictment de facto that you don't think the quarterback is doing enough to give them the ball or give them the opportunities or exploit defenses when they're getting open. And that, to me, is the fundamental issue. I don't see the Broncos making enough plays to take advantage of the Chargers' defense. And I think 
Granted, there's been days when they've laid duck eggs or goose eggs. Um, the Chargers can exploit pretty much any defense, including this, I'm going to say it, Cullum, overrated defense. We overrated them at the start of the season. We've overrated them all the way through. The performances have not justified the hype, uh, especially in the secondary. So with that being said, I'm you know, not just surprised that the line's two and a half. I'd be taking the line every day of the week and twice on Sundays because I think this is a Chargers team who, when they face adversity this year, and we said, oh, this is a big game, they need to come through, have come through those games. They've had a bit of a blip. This is them getting back on course, going 7-4, tied with the Chiefs the division lead, and still in with a shout of the division title. So Chargers all the way for me. Michael's been very negative about the Broncos the last while. He's been very pessimistic. He's been very down on the whole organization. I think at that point, he wanted to commit Harikari uh, in relation to it all. But let's see whether he believes in the Broncos or their arch rivals this week. <laughs> he is going with the Chargers in their various stops uh, along the way. Am, so, am I the lone wolf then? You are the lone wolf. And again, um, just to share a score prediction, we don't normally do score predictions and it's a bit unfair picking on, but he thinks it's going to be quite a whitewash. I think he's got two to three touchdowns in it for the Chargers in this and game. Ma I know Ma he doesn't I want it to be that way, but still, you know, I can understand. I, I'm going to take umbrage, not with your assessment that the Broncos defense is overrated. I, yeah, hands up. I think that it has been the case. But average running backs, Javante Williams, I, for a rookie running back, he has more broken tackles than anyone else in the league. I think let the, let the kid um, get the ball more, and I think you'll see a very solid running back in Williams. Yeah, no, fair, fair enough. And maybe I'm being a bit unfair because most of those broken tackles he has to break in the backfield because his offensive line isn't consistent enough to break holes for him. But that's, that's another story. That's fair. That's fair. But Mark, you made a very good point there. The fact that they give him two contracts out and so quickly, yeah, we, you know, one after the other, certainly, certainly looks looks like we know we have a good offense, but unfortunately our quarterback isn't, isn't isn't the answer, and that's the reason we are not getting the ball as opposed to them not being up to doing the job. Yeah, yeah. no, as I say, it's an indictment on the quarterback in relation to it. Now we're going to talk about quarterbacks, and we talk about another box office game. Um, you know, if we wanted to continue with Lord of the Rings argument, this could be the two towers, the two mighty towers of the LA Rams and the Green Bay Packers going up against each other. But to me, there's a little bit of the ETs about this because there's extraterrestrials visiting and viewing toes and wanting to phone home. Um, Rex Ryan was very excited this week, I think, in various press conferences, guys. But the Rams at the Packers, we keep it focused on the two powers that be, and especially the two quarterbacks that be in this regard, Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's not all about them. There's two pretty impressive defenses there, but both teams have their flaws. Um, this could be a big one in terms of seeding, a very big one in terms of first seed, albeit Arizona Cardinals, we acknowledge and see you there at nine and two, but both teams will still have their wishes, desires, and dreams. I've taken them one seed and the only buy uh, that will exist in the playoffs this year. Colm, who you got in this one? Well, Mark, when you talk about wishes, desires, and dreams, I think Aaron Rodgers made Rex Ryan's wishes, desires, and dreams come true during the press conference this week. 
when he played this little piggy went to the market with his toes and showing off the toe injury so undoubtedly rex was glued to the screen watching that i think this is going to be an intriguing game uh, i think if you look at say transformers it was optimus prime and megatronus prime right and i think potentially that is aaron Rodgers and aaron donald in in this game but the the packers defense is the ones that we have talked about a lot and we talked about them a lot before last week's game and then justin jefferson was able to run riot over them and i, I think that's look that's what the vikings need to do more, more of is, is allow jefferson to be jefferson i think it, for the rams they need this game they have been had two really awful games since they brought in Von Miller and OBJ. I think they have to win this in order to, to get back on track. Um, and for that reason, I'm I'm going to, to go with them. But again, this uh, the Green Bay Packers are more than capable of winning this game. I just think the Rams will need it a little more, and therefore I'm I'm gonna go with the Rams. Um Aaron Rodgers didn't train this week. He will play. Lafleur says he will play. But obviously that toe injury is, is a concern, uh, especially with a rampaging Aaron Donald. Yeah, you've got the best to need the balance of three weeks now with Rodgers between the COVID situation and then leading up to that game last week. And then now obviously the fact that it's been declared as a broken toe, he hasn't practiced and he's unlikely to practice leading up to the game. I'm with, with Colin and I said on this one, I think I'm, I'm going to go, I've gone with the Rams. I think... Um, I mean, I, I find it hard to do. I know he had a great game last week playing with the broken toe, but can you do it consistently? And you're going up against a defense that has struggled the past few weeks. And McVeigh coming off a boy for me to have to prime and ready. And he's three and one coming off boys. I think the Rams will win. I don't know if it's as much as an upset as a, an upset as people would think, but I just feel the Rams will find a way to get it done. And Matthew Stafford, who has a very bad record against Rodgers, I think Rodgers is twelve and four against him throughout his years in Detroit, but he's not in Detroit now. So for me. Big win for the Rams coming this way to Sunday. Yeah, look, guys, I mean, Packers don't really do back-to-back -back losses necessarily. And in fact, they're already up to three losses, which is the max that's allowed in the Matt LaFleur era, being 13-3 and three in both of his first two seasons. However, I just kind of bring it back to last time these guys met. They met in the divisional round playoff. It was in Green Bay. And... Whilst Green Bay won that 32-18, it felt like the Rams were there or thereabouts for a lot of that game. And they were there or thereabouts with a limited Aaron Donald, with no Matthew Stafford, no Cooper Cup at the particular time. And you flip that round onto the Green Bay Packers, and they're missing, obviously, David Bakhtiari from that game. Elton Jenkins is now out for the season as well with a knee injury. So they're losing players in relation to the direct matchup. And you would like to think or hope to think that with a bit more time now, the Von Miller-Aaron Donald combination can really take root. The one thing that worries me about this in terms of going so strongly for the Rams is that Green Bay defense is a hell of a lot better than it was last year. And they showed at various times. Their running game is actually a lot more consistent. And they've proved they can win behind run and D um, a lot more easily. So... I don't think it's going to be the Rams walking away, uh, running away. I think the Rams obviously do have a real strong desire and need to get things back on track um, to a more urgent level. But I kind of am with you guys. I, my heart, my head, 
leans more towards the Rams than it does the Packers, with the big, big, big caveat that the Packers have more than enough, of course, to win this and make us look very, very foolish indeed. Brian. Yeah, last week's game was very high scoring, so it didn't really come into it as a factor, but AJ Dillon played well, but he's not at the level that Aaron Jones and Aaron Jones is a doubtful for his game. They're not ruling him out. It's it's hard to see that he will play. This is the kind of game that you know he would flourish in. That's why I think it's gonna be one of those games. You, you see a scenario where Rogers can go up and down the field on this Rams defense as in the same manner in which he did against the Vikings. I can't see it, and that's why I think it'll be a low-scoring game and the Rams will do enough. Okay, the three of us have spoken, so big high-power game. We see it, the Rams, but various different layers. Michael showing off his foot and saying the Packers. I can understand his logic. I can understand him going for it, but for me, it's a field goal in it for the Rams. Gents, one more game, then we'll do a little bit of the betting segment. The game... Last second last game because we're going to do Sunday football as well is one of the most intriguing for me because this has real dynamic wild card potential. Not only as tiebreakers, but both teams have arguably a bit of momentum, arguably a bit of an opportunity now to secure a place in the postseason. Um, and both are how do I put this nicely? Confoundingly uh, annoying, um, indecipherable awkward confusing i mean just think mostly of david lynch's movies for the last 20 years and you get most of the sense of them we are talking of course about the minnesota vikings going to the san francisco 49ers levi stadium this sunday evening column how's it all going to play out yeah i think the lynch references is a good one mark because um i think there are the People watch David Lynch movies and they love it or they hate it. And um, I'm reminded of, of another movie that I love, um, 1990, 1999 movie, I believe, called Human Traffic, which is kind of about, uh, it's fantastic. I recommend it to people. And it's another one where people say that was terrible or that was fantastic, which could apply to the Vikings on any any given week. I I think again this is two teams who you know we we thought were capable of certainly going to the playoffs uh, prior to to the season both have disappointed um at times and um but both have, have shown up in other games so absolutely either team could win and you have said it repeatedly mark never ever ever put money on the Minnesota Vikings and I have said it that I believe that this is a team capable of beating the 49ers from Super Bowl 24, but equally losing um, to the 0-16 Lions because you just don't know what you're going to get. I am going to say that maybe, maybe Mike Zimmer has learned a little bit like the Eagles learned that, you know, yeah, they needed to, le to lean into the run game. Mike Zimmer needs to lean into Justin Jefferson who is an exceptionally talented receiver and just go to him more frequently. Um, I, I think that it, it's baffling the fact that they haven't leaned on him more. Obviously they have other options, Thielen, Conklin, um, but Jefferson is, is the star and Kirk Cousins is playing really well. Uh, they have, they've obviously looked at, there has been, um, you know, some off the field issues and uh, a mental health crisis in Minnesota this week that we saw play out. I, I think that might help to to bring the the team together. Um, I'm going to go on them to win it, but it is another game. Like, look, the 49ers 
have won because their big players have shown up in recent weeks. Jimmy G, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel. It, it really comes down to who's, who's, Big teams are, are, you know, big players are going to show up. Um, and, and the interesting thing is both of these teams have coaches that are well known, but really they are so reliant on their individual players more so than their schemes. Because for the Vikings, it really does come down to, you know, will Jefferson and Thielen be, be there? And for the 49ers, will Kittle, will Bosa and will Debo Samuel do enough? can't say it's not like Bill Belichick where the, the pieces kind of slot in it's not a scheme fit it is on the individual players I'm going to go with the Vikings just because I, I I think that they're really making a push but I can make a case for the 49ers as well I said earlier on the show with the Patriots losing games this season been turning points and it was a similar scenario with the Colts when they went in and lost that game against the Ravens where they were up 19 points and they felt they were after having gone on a run they could have said look we played against one of the best teams few weeks ago when the Niners played the Cards, I mean, they got beaten, you know, this court the end was a very comfortable win, but they made so many mistakes in that game. They had so many really positive drives only to have fumbles towards the back end of those drives. And the game could have been very different. I think they would have came out of that game saying, look, it wasn't their day, things didn't go away, but we played reasonably well. Jimmy G's had four plus 100-yard games, sorry, plus pass, pass rate. They've only conceded 10 points or less than the last few games, albeit you could argue against. But I suppose the Rams game would be a standout last week against the Jags. So it's a, it's a tricky one. It really is a very difficult one to call. Because, but for me, you just don't know what you're going to get with the Vikings team. We've said it all season. That game against the Cowboys last month, I couldn't believe it. I was watching it. Was the week prior to that, Jefferson had a great game. Cook had a great game. It looked like they were striving with a great offense and they put in a, in a dismal performance. And they're just too inconsistent for me, where I think the 49ers are actually finally getting things together. And I think they're going in a better track. Was Baltimore? Similar wild card scenarios. I think the 49ers are, are a better fit for me to go and make that push to make the playoffs. So I'm going to pick the 49ers. Yeah, I, I should have called out earlier, Brian, that the Patriots with five wins run the longest winning streak in the NFL at the moment. The best, the best winning streak in the NFL. The best winning streak at the moment, yeah. I mean, after the Titans lost their six-game winning yeah. streak last week in the, the um, Texan debacle. Um, the two of these teams, I mean, it's not quite winning streaks of winning streaks, but they really turned their season around. Like the 49ers have lost five of six um, before really turning things around with really convincing wins against the Rams and the Jacksonville. And the Vikings seem to be doomed to lose the close ones. They lost the close one against the Rams. They lost the close one. Um, sorry, they lost the close one against the Ravens. They lost the close one against the Cowboys. But now they've beaten the Chargers and Green Bay, two bloody good teams back-to-back week so it kind of feels like both teams are slowly turning their seasons around the problem for me with this game is on the 49ers i can look at them and see oh i can see how you've turned your season around you've got people a bit healthier you've got george kittle back in the lineup you've actually simplified the play calling a little bit more you've leaned back into your run game and then asked jimmy g to make certain throws on third down which he seems more comfortable in doing um and you know, you've got Tipo Samuel, who's been an absolutely electric player, and you're using him in the right way, whether it's on runs, whether it's on screens, whether it's on getting him open, getting the ball in his hands in space, and trying to see some magic happen. And actually, the win last week was a prime example. The week four was a prime example of that for me. It was just a really consistently called offensive game plan that dominated the game throughout. When I look at the Vikings, I can't explain to you why it was fundamentally different. I mean, another movie reference, again, 
It's a Canadian movie back in the early 90s called Cube. Very low budget, but pretty cool in relation to getting through this cube full of dangerous traps, which you had to figure out. The only safe way was through this higher power mathematical formula, which um, a, a particularly savant person could figure out, for example. I think you need to be a savant to figure out exactly what Vikings team is going to turn up this week as opposed to next week. They confuse me, befuddle me, annoy me. I promise I am not going to lose any more money on them ever, ever again. And for that reason and that reason alone, I'm flipping a coin in the air and going this week with the 49ers to take the win. As I said at the start, big, big, big implications in the NFC wildcard races with this game as well. So um, that could be damning one way or the other. So with that being said, just to recap, Colm, you're on the night. You're on the Vikings, Brian. You're on the yeah. Niners. Yeah, yeah. they've got to reverse the trend, Mark. They've lost 12 of the last 15 home games. I mean, it's got to start winning some home games. So it's a bloody nice stadium. So you don't want to keep losing there, to be honest with you. It's a bit, bit mean to the fan base. Um, I'm on the Niners as well. And Michael, is he going to make it even or leave Column out in the wind? He is going with Column. So he, he's got this little doggy there, like Zimmer as well. So that's lovely to see. Right, so we're all even on that, but it brings us to the betting segment of our show, sponsored as always by Matchbook Betting Exchange. Just to remind you all of the welcome off with Matchbook, you'll see down the bottom right, bottom right hand corner. If you just use your bonus code, Irish NFL Show, please note terms and conditions apply to the welcome offer. Do gamble responsibly, be gamble aware. Um, but very grateful to our sponsors in this regard. Brian, if you wouldn't mind taking us through, we've had a few bets that have maybe been usurped by inconvenient results, but this week, lead us to the promised land. Leading us to the promised land, there are four teams in which we, I believe, were, well, there's been a mixed bag of money, but I think overall, I think general consensus that, that they'll all win. Um, Patriots are in, Mark, you'd be delighted to know. Um, the Bengals. Um, Giving away my Sunday night pick, but we put, I put the Ravens in against the Browns. I'm not convinced, but the Browns are going to come to that game. I'm giving my pick away. And the last one is the Dolphins to beat the Panthers because I think Dolphins are on an upward trend. So there's the four teams, which are, I'll recap, the Patriots to beat the Titans, Bengals to beat the Steelers, the Ravens to beat the Browns, and the Dolphins to beat the Panthers. And that's paying around 7-2. Um, yeah, 7-2 to short or 4-1. to one. Um, It's a difficult week. In terms of trying to find four teams that we feel will all win, but that's 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 the line, and that's where we're going. Again, thanks to Matchbook for all their support throughout the season and uh, further into the playoffs going forward. And, and obviously, we missed the uh, the Thanksgiving games, but they uh, other than the Cowboys game, which obviously had a lot of money on the Cowboys, Brian, they pretty much went to to form, albeit that uh, anybody was spread on the Lions. Oh, sorry, on the Bears being Lions was. Gravely disappointed, of course. They were, yeah. So, they, yeah, there's nine in that game starting at four and a half earlier in the week. It came into three and a half, and obviously, it would have been a two point win for the Bears. A lot of people who picked the Bears and saw Bears being selected in quite a few competitions would have been, you know, greatly disappointed. On the Cowboys game, the Cowboys started out at minus seven and a half point favorites going to that game. So, not only did they need to win by touchdown, they needed to cover that. So, you're kind of touchdown potentially a field goal. So, um, I think a lot of money did go on the Ravens because the line moved up so much during the week. And the final one was, yeah, reasonably comfortable. I mean, the Bills started out the week at minus five and went to six and a half to, just before kickoff. So a touchdown win. I mean, that game was well truly over a half time. And where we've seen a number of games throughout the season where you're counting your winnings in the tour quarter, 
going to see some late comebacks that wasn't going to happen on Thursday night in that game. So some people packed the bills. Me, yeah, we're quite happy on Friday morning. So a comfortable cover in that. And as we already alluded to, some some games where there's been um, Chargers Broncos last year, 21 points erased. So never count it before the, the fat lady sings. Just to reiterate, the welcome offer there, as I said, use the bonus code Irish NFL show. Terms and conditions to apply, but they will match your initial uh, bet uh, in relation to things. But do gamble aware. Uh, please bet responsibly. Gentlemen, that brings us up to the final order of business this evening, a Sunday night football game, which, like its counterpart in the Steelers-Bengals that we kick things off with, is potentially the AFC South uh, redux version. So think of your good sequels, Colin, like Godfather 2 or Terminator 2 in this regard. It's the second coming of the AFC South games. And again, fascinating and intriguing for all of the right reasons, for all of the implications that can come, and all of the drama that could come with the Browns hanging on, straggling on, bringing Baker Mayfield and his broken body um, across the, the finishing line to the Baltimore Ravens. How's this going to go down? And, and indeed, will Baker be able to survive the arduous trip to Baltimore? Yeah, I, I would have thought risky business is what comes to, to mind when you're talking about um, Baker Mayfield and uh, the Cleveland Browns because they're going to have a big decision to make in terms of his contract. I we saw Baker last week. Um, you know, throw the toys out of the pram. Like, there's no two ways about it. Like, and I, I think what's interesting is I think if Baker had half the scrutiny that Lamar Jackson has, I don't know how he'd deal with it because Lamar Jackson is a QB who, yeah, okay, there are some questions about Lamar in the playoffs, certainly, but Lamar gets scrutinized every week. Um, and everything he does. And I think if Baker had to deal with that, I don't know how he would. This is um, a Ravens team who have battled injury after injury after injury this year. Um, we've seen them ha you know, have um, their entire running back core go down. They lost Derek Wolf for the season. They've lost some of their cornerbacks. Uh, Lamar couldn't play last week against the, the Bears. He traveled down. Marlon Humphrey said it was really interesting. He talked about he was sitting um, near Lamar on the plane. And Lamar, um, was, like they'd hoped that he'd be good to go, but he was so sick um, that he uh, was just huddled um, and curled up when the, the plane landed. And Humphrey knew at that point he wasn't going to be able to, to play. So the Ravens have had to chop and change so many things, and yet they're there or thereabouts. The Browns, we talked about them um, in the, the preseason or in the, the preview show. We, we were all like high on the Browns. We thought they had a great roster, really good defense, lots of um, you know weapons. But you'd have to say that they have disappointed for, for the most part. They have had games where they have pulled out a performance, particularly the game, the win over the Bengals, um, where they took advantage of a, a poor Bengals defense. But overall, um, and, and I don't think anybody in this show is down on the Browns. I don't think anyone has an agenda against them or anything like that. I just think that they have disappointed. you. And, and any objective analysis would have to say that where, you know, ha have the Ravens been perfect? Far from it. But I do think there are probably more mitigating circumstances for the Ravens in terms of that. 
from what I have seen, Lamar will play tomorrow. And I think if Lamar plays, I, I expect the, the Ravens <laughs> to just about um, have enough. These, this is going to be a battle. This is going to be in the trenches. Um, and we're, we're going to see, I imagine, plenty of um, handbags and pushing and shoving and, and all sorts. Um, and and I'm no doubt you'll see Harbaugh um, potentially going even crazier than his brother uh, was today when Michigan got the the win finally um, over uh, their their uh, rivals. But I'm going to go with the Ravens to to win this. Um, if uh, if Lamar is uh, going to start, I think they they will have enough. If Huntley starts, um, having seen him in person last week, I, I don't think he will have enough um, to to get a victory against the the Browns, who are, despite everything I've said, they're still solid on defense. I don't think anybody has an agenda against the Browns, uh, Colin. I think the, the facts don't lie. They've not scored. They've only scored fourteen. Sorry, in five games this season, they haven't scored over fourteen points. I mean, Baker Mayfield has been inconsistent throughout the season. Um, the offense has been sporadic. They don't run it for over 150 yards on the on the ground. They don't win the game either. So nothing's gone right this season offensively. For a team that was, you know, expected to make such a huge push towards the playoffs in the Super Bowl, with the exception of that game in, in Cincinnati a few weeks ago, you'd, uh, you know, you'd wonder where the other ones were, you know, significant games. They played well in Thursday night against against the Broncos, but that was more so down to a running back who had a kind of a one-off great game. And the Ravens team that whilst they haven't put up a lot of points in certain games this season, they still look like a team that you know are going to be there thereabouts come the playoffs. And Lamar, yeah, Lamar is expected to play. They don't there's any adverse reaction to last week, so I think he'd be ready to go. The fact that it's a home game, Sunday night football games in, in Baltimore, the atmosphere would be great. And uh, obviously with a division game, I think the Ravens will be well up for it. And I think the Ravens will find a way to win. It's in the bet. I've already kind of declared my pick, the Ravens to win. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm kind of siding with you guys. Um, Lamar, if he plays, which is expected with time of we're going out live at the moment, um, will have more than enough. Baker Mayfield looks like he needs a couple of weeks off. And in fact, Cleveland has a weird little bit of a schedule because they've actually got Baltimore, the bye, and then Baltimore again. So um, while Baltimore will have them twice in three weeks, uh, Cleveland effectively play Baltimore in back-to-back -back games. Um they both really need this win, don't get me wrong, but um, Cleveland have been so inconsistent the last few weeks. Um, Baker has been poor. I would love to say this is going to be a repetition of 47-42 last year when Lamar went off and came back on in the cramps uh, game, um, which was a real spectacle. But unfortunately, in what we've seen last while, I doubt that the Cleveland offense is going to be that dramatic and explosive and exciting as it was last season um for me the ravens are gonna have enough to handle the browns it's a divisional games so you never know it's always tense it's always tight um in that regard but the ravens extend and expand their reign at the top of the afc north for me michael to wrap us up has also selected in this game and he has Dun, 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 dun. He's gone with the Browns, so he's going against the trend in that regard. Belize Baker is the answer, and we'll somehow find a way. But hey, we will find out soon enough in just over 24 hours, about 25 hours' time. I think this is the first time in a couple of weeks, guys, we finished before midnight. So that in itself is an improvement and excitement. Two right. less games to discuss, Mark. There's your answer. 
that might be it. That might well be it and everything. Well, look, for us, from Viper, from Maverick, from Iceman, three of us are standing alone in this regard. We'll wrap up film week. I mean, week 12 of the NFL show, Irish NFL show. Thanks again to our sponsors, Trust.com, Matchbook Betting Exchange. Look forward to seeing you all again on Monday night. Well, hopefully Mike will be well with us again. But for now, it's Ihua. God bless you. Slow on.